Well, we went on a trip this week. Um, we went to Kansas City. We went to a concert because when you're a pastor and you pastor a church and it's Easter, what that means is you're not a dad or a husband or a human for about a month before Easter. Okay, it's just like nonstop, like late nights and being on ladders by yourself, and you're about to fall, and, and it, it's okay, it, it, because we do it for you, you know, and we love you. Um, so in all that, you know, we decided to, to make a trip, and so we went to, to a concert Friday night, and, you know, it, it was just, there are moments in life where when you're a parent and a dad, whatever, you think inside that you can, you know, still be cool, right? Okay. I can still play ball just like I used to, you know? I can still dance like I... Okay. Uh, very white church, aren't we? It's like, nope, nope, we, no. We can't dance and we can't clap. <laughs> Come on, that was funny. <laughs> but so we're at this concert, you know, and, and, and it's just that, that environment. It's just perfect. It's leading you up to face the truth. And the truth is, you are internally an old, 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 grumpy, crotchety old man, okay? So what I found out was that I'm the old man who's like, get off my lawn, right? Like that, on the inside, that's me. Because I'm sitting there, and there's this concert, there's energy, and it's fun, you know, and everyone's going, well, we love you, Johnny. And I'm going, you don't even know that man. Who are you talking to a stranger? Crazy, you know? And then, you know, the girls are like, ah, and I'm like, you need to put clothes on. Showing that stuff in public, you know. Turn that music down. My ears are ringing, you know. <laughs> so I found out that I want to be cool and young and hip and all that kind of stuff. But when you're a dad of three, you know, it's just gone. It's just gone, right? <laughs> so what happens in all this, you know, um, some of the songs that he was singing, it just kind of just put something in my mind. And in Saturday morning, we woke up and... Uh, Watching HGTV, who, who watches that? You know, at the house flipping shows, they're going to find a new, you know, uh, a new condo on the beach. You know, the guy's like, you know, well, um, my job is I do yoga for a living, so my budget is $3 million. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's that show. So, like, you know, like, you know we'll go up, we're watching it, and the guy's all like, you know, if we can just get this vacation house, you know, it'll be our third house, and it's awesome, it's perfect on the beach, and so if we can just get the house done, and then we're going to remodel it, you know, but once we get the house and the boat, then we're going to be able to sit back and enjoy life. Then we'll be able to enjoy it. I'm not sure if I was just being crotchety and, you know, cynical, but I was like, that's just ridiculous, you know. And it just kind of like stuck in my mind and in my heart. Um, and so as we drove back, I was just kind of thinking about it. Went home and I Googled this phrase, enjoy life. And I've got some gems to show you. First gem on the screen, let's go. First gem I saw. Look at that beautiful flower. No one lives forever. So take your time and enjoy your life as long as you can. Number two, life is what it is. Just take a step back and enjoy it. By the way, I can't tell if she's trying to, to chase those balloons down or if this is like a, a joyous occasion. It looks like the wind's blowing, and she's kind of, I don't know, I can't tell. Three, enjoy your life today because yesterday is gone, and tomorrow may never come. Now, if you look at the image, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I tricked you. It looks like they're saying, enjoy your life today because yesterday is gone and tomorrow may never come. Smiles. 
Here's how the old man reads it. Better enjoy today. You might get hit by a bus tomorrow. You know, I mean, that's what they're saying, right? I mean, it's a big, happy, smiley face. You know, it's balloons. It's dancing. It's, it's flowers in the field. Oh, just enjoy life, you know. I'm mean, like, seize the day. Carpe diem, right? Just right now, it's so good. Smile. Because what's hidden inside that? When I hear that, I go, how are you dancing? What are you holding balloons for? What you just told me is you're going to die. So smile about it. And so we have a culture that is obsessed with enjoying life. And it is, it's all about this, this movement to where if you can get the right career, if you marry the right person, if you live in the right safe town, if, if, if your children go to the right college, you know, if your son's good at, at sports, if your daughter is, let's not do stereotypes, how about that? If your daughter is a football player, how about that, does that work? <laughs> We're tearing down the walls of gender, okay, forget that, okay. Everyone's like, no, not today, let's just take it easy. You know, we have this framework of if we can just accomplish these things, the goal is, then we'll be able to enjoy life. And again, and it has this kind of a plastic smile just kind of plastered on it. But if it were me, the way that I understand this is, is, is different. And so at the concert we went to, the, the guy uh, who, who's playing the, the show, he has a song. It's called Stop This Train. And he sings about the same exact reality, but he takes it from a different angle. So if you guys have those lyrics, let's go ahead and put them up there. Here's what he says. He said, once in a while, when it's good, it feels like it should. When you're all still around, and you're still safe and sound, and you don't miss a thing. Until you cry when you're driving away in the dark. Sounds kind of sad. Singing, stop this train. I want to get off and go home again. I can't take the speed it's moving in. I know I can't, because now I see I'll never stop this train. Now, the first line, everyone's like, that's pretty depressing. You need a girl with balloons to kind of lighten it up, right? His, his first kind of uh, line, it starts with him saying, you know, there, there's times whenever we get in the moment and we're enjoying things in this world, and in those moments when everything is safe and okay, everything feels fine. There's those moments where you're, you know, as that girl is, you know, she's leaping on the beach. Enjoy life. It's fine. There's moments where we can be fooled into thinking that that, that, you know, everything's fine. But if we allow ourselves to be honest, that fleeting, cheesy smile, the, the momentary happiness that comes from these things in life, if we allow it, it slips away and the truth hits us. And the truth is we might have a great moment or a great day, but here's the truth for everyone in this room. We are on this train called time, and this thing cannot be stopped. It cannot be negotiated with. It cannot be controlled, and it is pushing all of us towards one end. And that end is the one thing we all have in common in this room, that every single one of us will face death. Say it. It's okay. Death. And we hate this. And what happens with most things in life, as we do, when there are things we don't like and we can't change it, what do we do? We ignore it. Guess if closets at home? Yeah? Put all your junk in there? 
Yeah, why? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you feel powerless because there's so much junk, so you're just going to hide it so you can smile. (laughs) We're not hoarders. (laughs) We're doing just fine, you know? We park our car outside because we like to have our car in the hail, you know? Like, we wanted it that way, you know? You know, and we find ways to numb the reality. We find ways to look past it. You know, I'm, one of the things that kind of came to my mind with this idea was, you know, I, when you wake up in the morning and your alarm goes off, you've got that ringing and, you know, what's your first reaction? Be honest. You hit the, you know, snooze, right? Hit the snooze button. And something in your mind tells you, I've only had a couple hours of sleep. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I don't want to go to work. But, but you know, if I just get two more minutes, everything's going to be better when I open my eyes again, right? The back that's hurting, the aching I've got, the soreness. You know, if I just get two more minutes of ignoring that I have to get up and face my day, it's going to make everything better. Just one more snooze, one more, one more snooze. Until all of a sudden what? You're late and you're running out the door and the kids are screaming and, you know, all the fun stuff and you have a flat tire, right? Okay. That's how life goes. And so what happens is we find a way to just ignore, just, just kind of push it aside just enough to not have to deal with it. And there's nothing in our lives, in this world, that we press snooze on more than facing the shortness of our life, how fleeting this world is, that we're not promised anything. One of the hardest things to go to is a funeral for a child. It's just hard to even get your mind around. Funerals in general are things we want to avoid. You know, there's, there's people that I know, and, and I pastor say, you know what, I love that person, but I can't go to the funerals. You know, I just can't do funerals can't do it. I can't take the environment, so I'm going to send a card. <sighs> Funerals to me are one of the most healthy things, most healthy rituals in society that we have. Because you're stuck in this room for 30 minutes, and it's a terrible show. You know, there's no great music, you know, like the pastor's always really boring because he can't be funny at a funeral. That'd be really inappropriate, right? You know, everyone's like, well, you could say a joke or two. Um, you know, it's no light show. You know, I mean, like, there's no dancing. It's always just really nasty funeral homes. Okay, there are nice ones. So if you run a funeral home, I apologize. You're just very nice, I'm sure. But they tend to be, like, very dated with green carpet, right? Come on. And they smell, Yes. And so most of you, when you're sitting there, the goal is, is to distract yourself just long enough to make it out of the room without having to let that thought creep over your back and into your mind. I will end up here. At some point, at some time, in some way, I'm going to be the one that's in the casket. It's going to be my body that's not moving, it's going to be my heart that's not beating, it's going to be my lungs that don't have any air coming through them. It's going to be me who's got the cheesy suit on and has the nasty stuff on my face, you know, the weird makeup thing. Okay. I'm a pastor, I have to do a lot of funerals. 
And so the goal in those moments is, can I check my phone enough? Can I distract my mind enough? Can I just keep my emotions back and my thoughts out there long enough to get out of this room without being freaked out? Without allowing this reality to set in on me? And so we live like this. And we go through life trying to just push it off far enough until we reach a moment and we can't avoid it any longer. One of the hardest things as a pastor is to spend the last moments of someone's life with them when they haven't prepared themselves for the moment. When they've spent their entire life thinking, it's not me, it's not going to happen, I'm not sick, I'm not old, I'm not blah, blah, blah. It won't ever happen to me. And when, when it finally clicks... For some people, it's, it, it, it's, it's days, weeks before. For others, it's minutes before they pass. When it clicks in their eyes, they realize there's no getting out of this. This is where I'm going. When they haven't prepared themselves emotionally, mentally, it's a hard moment. And so as pastors, I, I train our staff. We believe a God who, uh, in a God who loves them and a God who's able to heal them, but we also believe that it's our job to help them prepare to face death. And these moments are hard for us. But we have to understand something. You know, Easter Sunday is this day that I never understood when I was a child. I, I just didn't get it. Easter would come and we'd talk about the blood and the cross and his death and his love for us and he was beaten and bruised. And, you know, emotionally I cared deeply about those things but I couldn't logically connect to what that has to do with the resurrection. Well, Easter is about the empty tomb. Good Friday is about the cross. Why are we still talking about bleeding and death and suffering and sins on Sunday? What is Easter even about? Why is Easter supposed to be the biggest Sunday service moment of the year for Christians? What is Easter supposed to be about? And then when I got older, I came to a place where I couldn't stop thinking about death. I have a job where I serve people that takes me to a place where I can't hide from it. It's my job to not be there for 30 minutes in the funeral. It's my job to be there before it and after it, and I can't run away from it. And there came a place for me where I couldn't hide from that reality. And while it was a painful traumatic kind of emotional time for me, it was also a time for me where I began to realize what Easter was all about. Easter wasn't about the God who loved me and could heal me and could bless me and who was here for me. It wasn't about that. It wasn't about the God who forgave me. Easter is about the God who can defeat death for me. Easter is about the one claim that Christianity has that no other former group has. Not just a God who can bring someone back from death, but a God who can go through death, because that's a different thing. Not a God who can add 10 years, 30 years, 50 years. A God who can take me beyond the reality of time and death itself. A God who can take me to a place where I will never have to worry about an end ever again. That's what Easter is all about. The entire Christian faith hinges on this reality. 
There are many things we can talk about, about Jesus and, and the faith that we have. But the one thing that separates it, the one domino, that if this domino falls, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then everything else falls with it. The Apostle Paul said there in the passage that we read there in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, if, if Christ was not raised from the dead, then our faith is futile. Everything is for nothing. He goes on to say, if Christ was not raised from the dead, we are to be pitied more than any men on the earth. If Christ can't take us through death, then everyone in the entire world should feel sorry for us. Because to be a Christian is to gamble a little bit. But Pastor Devin, the Bible says gambling is wrong. Here's the gamble. Oh, man, I wish I had some dice. I would have been perfect. Who has dice who's willing to not tell me, like, why you have them in your pocket? <laughs> Everyone's like... What you have in your hand is a somewhat guarantee that you might have 20 more years, 30 years, 60 years, 70 years. You might have so much left in your hand, and you know you've got this. But the gamble is this. If I'm convinced enough that this God is able to give me a thousand, a million a life without end. If I'm convinced enough, then I might be willing to roll the dice and to give him whatever time I have left in this world, my 20, 40, 60 years, I might be willing to give him what I have here on the gamble that he has more to offer me on the other end. Now, you can say to me, Pastor Devin, I wouldn't call it gambling because I have faith, and I know for sure. You don't know anything for sure. I promise you. The moment you're on the deathbed with someone, and they have to be real with you because they're going to face it. You see that moment when they're wrestling in their mind. Is all this stuff that I live for and I believe, is this real? Because I'm about to find out. You can have security in historical record, archaeology and theology and doctrine and, you know, supernatural experiences with the Holy Spirit where God speaks to you or you show. You can have all these great things, but those things, when you face the reality of death, are not enough to rid you of all fear. There will be something there nagging you. And that's the moment where you have to say, okay, I'm either going to take this step or I'm not. I'm either going to trust or I'm not. And the Christian faith is this. It is living a life convinced, willing to bet all your chips that you have left, saying, I'm not going to live this life to enjoy life. I'm not going to live this life for me. I'm not going to live this life to get my rental homes, to get my vacation homes, to get my boats. I'm going to live this life to love God, to love my neighbor, to lay my life out as a sacrifice to serve people around me, which means my life isn't going to be fun all the time. You can't go to a mayor concert every once in a while. Come on, be honest. Would your life be more fun if you could do whatever you wanted when you wanted or if you told someone else, here, you tell me what to do the rest of my life. No? Okay. 
I guarantee that everyone in this room, if, if you've ever said a prayer for salvation, they took you to Romans 10. They said, you know what? Here's the way to salvation. It says, if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that he <laughs> was raised from the dead, then you will be saved. I remember as a pastor, well, a youth pastor back then, I used to feel so easy to kind of tell people, hey, all you got to do is this, this, and this. Let's, let's say it. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> then one day I realized what I was saying. Oh, if you would just, you know, confess Jesus as Lord. No, 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 no. If you would take Jesus as Lord, if you would give control of your life, if you let someone be have the rule over you to tell you what to do, when to do it, to give them your resources, your time on the earth, your energy, your family, if you would let him be the Lord of your life, give him this life, believing that the Father raised this same person from the dead. The idea that if I, if I shove across the table my life, my energy, my future, whatever I have left in me, I will give this to you because I'm betting, I believe, I have faith that if I trade that to you, if I push that across the table, you're going to push eternity across the table to me. If I spend my life serving people, loving people, following you with all my heart, I believe that you're going to push across the table to me a life with no end. A world where I will never have to stop being with my spouse or my friends or my children. A world where everything that I've ever lost, loved ones, will be returned to me and I will be able to spend eternity with them. Pastor Larry said something uh, a month ago. And I forget how you phrased it, but he basically said a distracted Christian is an unconvinced Christian. A distracted Christian is an unconvinced Christian. Here's what I'm saying. If you really were convinced if you are convinced that eternity is real, that there is a reality, a life coming after this life that is a thousand years long, a million years long, infinite, then you would be investing everything you've got in that life right now. Agreed? If I came to you with this idea, I said, okay, this is IRA. If you had invested in it for 20 years, after 20 years, you would have $10 billion dollars. And you'd say, I've heard that before. Those commercials come on around 2 a.m. on TV, right? Have you guys heard that? Invest in gold. Come on. Yes. Everyone's like, I actually invested in that. Okay. That's all right. We'll pray for you. That's okay. Monty will pray for your finances. It'll multiply. It's okay. But if you're convinced of it, if you bought in, if I could time travel back to you six years ago, be like, hey, so, so Apple is this company that's going to come around. Apple, <laughs> name their company like fruit. Yeah, right. If you would just put your money in that and not spend it to go to McDonald's, it would pay off for you. If, if I could convince you of it, oh, you would buy in. The problem is, is that we are not convinced. 
We do not invest our lives in the kingdom of God because we are not sure how real it really is. And I understand, trust me, we have good intentions. And you can tell me all day long, no, it's not true. I I believe, I believe, brother. Okay, how much of your time goes into it? How much of your energy? How much of your passion? How much of your dreams? How much of your emotions? How much of your finances? How much of your family? How much of your choices? What is first priority in your life? Eternity or not? Answer. Got it. I'm sorry. I was a lot funnier with the first service, and it was great. <laughs> we had a lot of fun the first service. See, they took all the fun out of me. I'm sorry. I, I'm, it's my personality. I've only got so much fun, and then I get mean and serious. I apologize for that. <laughs> this is where we are now. But Easter is the moment every year that is supposed to help us reset. It's the moment where we have to kind of painfully allow ourselves to look into the empty tomb. And it's first nature for all of us to go, oh, it's an empty tomb. He rose. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, right? Come on. I'm trying here to make it fun. <laughs> Ooh, uh, goodness gracious. We're not using this recording online, okay? We're, we're using the first service. <laughs> so then, we're okay with acknowledging that part, but the part we don't want to look at is the wrappings that are still in the tomb that he wore. The part we don't want to look at is the blood stains on the stone to realize Yes, he's alive, but he didn't skip over death. He went through it. You will still face death. And for us to find hope, we have to, we have to face it mentally, emotionally now. You have to face it now. Easter, the resurrection, the empty tomb will have great meaning and hope for you in your life, but it it only means something to you if you're willing to face that fear. You only need hope when you have fear. You only need your emotions to be calmed and peace to fill your life when you have trouble sleeping at night because you're thinking about these things. It's not that we need to be tormented or bothered. It's not that, but we have to be honest, and we are so good at hiding from things that are real. We're so good at it. And so this morning, the, the encouragement that I have for all of us is it starts with this. It starts with us being willing to see it, to face it, to say, I know what's coming on the bend. I know where this train is taking me. This train has an end. I will have to get off this train to get on another one. And to get off means I'm going to have to face death. But if I know that, now I can begin to prepare myself. I can begin to live for that next train. I can begin to live my entire life investing in my life that won't have an end. I know this one's going to end, but that one won't. And I want to make sure that, I'm, that my seat is, is, is safe on that next train. I'm going first class on that train. You might have a bigger house and a better boat than me, but wait till we get to the world that doesn't end. You can have your fancy house for 60 years. Wait till we're in eternity. I'm going, nah, nah. 
<laughs> kidding. I mean, this is not sound theology. I'm joking. I'm just trying to get you to pay attention. Okay, so please don't go away saying, you know, I teach heresy. I promise. I'm just messing. All right. I want to read that passage again in the Message Bible. Um, Eugene Peterson, he, he does such a good job of bringing it to life. Sometimes we can kind of miss what the authors are trying to say to us. So, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 16. If corpses can't be raised, then Christ wasn't, because he was indeed dead. And if Christ weren't raised, then all you're doing is wandering about in the dark, as lost as ever. It's even worse for those who died hoping in Christ and resurrection, because they're already in their graves. Meaning they've already spent their life living for Christ, and if Christ isn't raised, they wasted their life. They should have just lived for themselves. They should have just enjoyed life because you don't know what's coming tomorrow because this is all you got. So if Christ isn't raised, then they wasted what they had. If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a pretty sorry lot. But the truth is that Christ has been raised up. The first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. I love that line. I love that line. There's a nice symmetry in this. Death initially came by a man, and resurrection from death came by a man. See, everybody dies in Adam. Everyone comes alive in Christ. But we have to wait our turn. Christ is first. Then those who come with him at his coming. The grand consummation. After crushing the opposition, he hands over his kingdom to God the Father. He won't let up until the last enemy is down, and the very last enemy is death. See, here's the way it works. Everyone who was in the line of Adam, meaning everyone who is human, whenever he first went to the grave, everyone in line following, we were going to the same destination, six feet under. That was our future. Now, in Christ, what the Bible calls second Adam, the idea is this. If we would take Jesus as Lord, meaning, I'll put it this way, we follow him. If we would leave this line, step over into this line, how about this? Be fun. Who goes to Chick-fil-A? Who knows that there's a line that leads to death and a line that leads to life, right? Okay, come on. When you guys pull up, what's the first thing you do? Which line's moving faster, right? This line's not going anywhere. That worked, okay. Let's worry about that, okay. You want to be in the fast lane, okay, well, forget that. We have to be willing to realize that if we continue to live our lives in control, as masters of our own lives. Understand, what God gave Adam was the ability to subdue, the authority to control, to decide. If he would, to decide his fate. I go this way with my life. If we continue in the line of Adam and you say, this is my life, I've only got today because I get hit by a bus tomorrow, so I need to do what I want to do with my life. Enjoy life because it's all you've got. Then I know exactly where I'm heading. But if I decide, I want to go in your line. Whatever 
you decide for my life. Jesus, wherever you are going, whatever it is that you want to be done for me, I'm going to follow where you're going. I know that we're going to end up at the same spot. We are going to go through the grave. I get that. I'm not thrilled about it, but I get it. But I also know that you're going, if I look just far enough down the line, I see that you went through the grave, but you actually came out on the other side. This is what the Christian faith is. This is what we, we offer the Word. This, this is what the good news of the gospel of Christ is. It's not just that God was mad at us and now He forgives us. It's that God loves us. He cares about us so much so that He's going to free us from the ultimate thing that we're all bound by, which is not just doing bad things. It's ceasing to do anything. Death. I don't know about you, but I know that in my life, I've had a time where I've really wrestled with the reality of death. And it means a lot to me to have a hope, to believe that if I would hold tight, if I would just follow this person, it's almost, I almost picture myself just kind of just gripping tight, just following him where he's going. I, it's going to be hard. It's going to be scary. It's not what I would choose. But if I would just trust and be convinced enough I'm going to come out on the other side. In the future I live for, I'm not living for today. I'm not living for this life. I'm living for a life that has no end. Because I hate endings. I know you do too. Would you guys stand with me? There's something inside of us that, that just tells us that endings are wrong, you know? There's just... You're binging on Netflix and you just hit the last episode and, and like you almost don't even want to watch it, right? If you watch it, you know what it means, right? It's over. And that show was made in the 90s. It's not coming back. Friends isn't coming back, friends. Oh, that, <laughs> that was painful. I guess in your faces. Oh, my goodness. We don't like endings to movies. We don't like endings to stories. We don't like endings to a game. We don't like endings to anything. We want things to keep going. I want more. I want more. There's something that tells us endings are wrong. They're, good things aren't supposed to come to an end. My relationship with my kids shouldn't come to an end. Thinking, feeling, experiencing, enjoying things, trying things, just living, that shouldn't come to an end. I wasn't made for that. With the prayer team, uh, would you guys come on up for me? So I, uh, you know, again, I, I don't try to manipulate or kind of pull you guys to the altar or anything like that. Here's the deal. If you're someone who just you have kind of wrestled with the fear of death. Uh, I know sometimes people who wrestle with that, it's kind of tormenting. It's almost like you have to keep yourself, you have to keep your brain busy because if you don't, it's going to go to a dark place. If that's you, you know, we want to pray for this morning after service. But really even just, if there's anyone this morning, you want to know more about this. What does this look like to, to give Jesus control? And, and what does this mean to go through death? I mean, what kind of life is this I'm looking forward to? We'd like to, to be with you today and to pray over that. And just in general, if there's anything that you need to talk with someone about or prayer about, we're going to be here with you for that. Father, we just thank you for this day. 
We declare that Jesus, you are the one who has the power over the grave. You can't just, uh, you chose to not just offer us 10 more years or 20 more years. You're not only the God who can heal us or can bless our finances. You're the God who can take us into the grave and out of the grave for good, never to return. You're the only one who offers us life with no end to it. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just spur our hearts and our minds that we would be willing to step out to find out more because we want to know if you can really make good on your promise. So Father, I just speak a blessing over all the families today. But I, again, I ask as we go home that Holy Spirit, you would prepare our hearts that we would be honest with you. If we're not ready yet to face the reality of life, I ask that you would prepare us to get to a place where we are ready. And when we're ready, that we would face the fear and just the, the, the cold truth of it But in that moment, we ask that the love and the hope of the resurrection, that you're a God who has gone through death, that you can lead us through as well, that that would meet us in that moment. In Jesus' name.